Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. We are going to start by doing what I call colleague call out. And so if you are like me and you need something done, you really don't know who to go to. And so I have some really great colleagues that have really great products and services. And so I want to give them a chance to just get their products out there and their services. So let's start with organization. So if you're working at a place and things are completely out of whack, your processes completely suck and nothing seems to be coordinated, there's chaos everywhere, let's think about it first as a process problem. And that's where I would recommend my good friend, Paul Critchley, who is the CEO of New England Lean Consulting. So Paul's an engineer. What he has is this insane ability to look at things and see them as being more productive. He'll work with you to design things. He is a lean expert. And Paul is the kind of guy you want to call if you really need to get your chaos into order. You can reach him at NewEnglandLeanConsulting.com. If you are an individual who realizes you need some help, you are the boss, but you're not getting people to follow you, you feel like you got some rough edges, coaching may be what we would recommend for you. And if you're looking for a coach, may I recommend my strategic coaching partner, Margie Bush of Wisdom Tree Coaching. We send all of our coaching clients over there because she does a great job. She will help you figure out, you'll co-create solutions to making you better. She is going to be tough on you. She's not going to let you just dog it. So if you really want to get better, you need to reach out to her. You can again reach out to her at wisdomtreecoaching.com. Our guest today is Lance Loya. Now, Lance Loya is somebody that helps build teams. And you're probably thinking, oh, here we go. Another person that's going to take us out and do trust falls and we're going to walk around on hot coals in our bare feet and we're going to go on a cruise and we're going to do team building. No, he doesn't believe in that stuff. He's going to show you a different approach. He's a fascinating guy, a great speaker. He's got some great stories. And if you can get into the mindset of getting into the we gear instead of the me gear, that will be the key to being a better teammate. And if you're the boss, building a better team. So let's quit talking about him. Let's talk to him. Sally, take it away. Welcome to the Boss Builder Podcast. Lance Loya, welcome to the show. Hi, Mac. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm glad we could have this time to chat. It's a few days before the holidays, and so I think hopefully everybody's getting into that spirit and getting into the mood of having the major crush and having family around and whatever, but this is a great chance just to talk, and the, the topic we're going to be looking at today is how to be a great teammate, and I spoke with you a couple of weeks ago, and I really enjoyed hearing your story, so I want you to tell us, how did you get started in this team business? It was a pretty compelling story. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's always a challenge. Where do you begin? So uh, my background is in sports. I was formerly a, a basketball coach at a collegiate level, and I thought that would be the trajectory of uh, my professional career and my life. And, uh, you know, a turbulent plane ride, a bumpy flight kind of changed that trajectory. I was flying home um, from watching a player I had coached receive an award. And it was a fairly prestigious award. It was the Allstate's Good Works team award. Uh, it's an award basically for student athletes who use their position 
as a student athlete to go out and go out and make a, a positive difference in their communities. Well, anyhow, I was flying home from watching this young man receive this award and our plane hit a patch of turbulence and it kind of scared me. And for the first time in my life, I really thought, what if this is it? You know, what if there is something wrong with the plane and it goes down? And, uh, you know, I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about my family. And, um, you know, if I had one last phone call home to them, what would I want to tell my daughters who at the time were uh, in preschool and kindergarten? And, you know, would you tell me you love them? It's a good message, but is that really going to be the kind of advice they need on the, you know, the day before their wedding or when they reach the crossroads in their life? Um, it's probably not going to be that fatherly advice that they need. So I kept thinking about it and obsessing over it, really. And eventually, I started thinking about how I came to be on the flight to begin with. And it was because of that young man. And the thing about this player, uh, he wasn't the best player on our team. He wasn't our leading scorer, wasn't very tall, couldn't jump very high. In fact, the more I think about it, I didn't even really play him that much, but everybody on the team loved him and they loved being around him because he was such, he was such a loyal person and he, he loved everything about the team and he was so unselfish. He was a beloved teammate. And I thought, there it is. That's the advice I want to leave with my daughters. Just be a good teammate. And, and actually think about it, it makes sense because when you're a good teammate, people want to be around you. Uh, and if she's have people around her, she'll always have a support network to be there to advise her and, and give her life advice when I won't be. And that's like check number one. Check number two is if you're a good teammate, she's always going to have financial security in her life. So you well know companies can't wait to hire people who are, into, who are uh, good teammates. They put the needs of the company ahead of their own selfish agendas. And check number two. And then check number three, maybe the best of all, when you're a good teammate, you have purpose in your life. You have something to look forward to. You serve the needs of your team. And purpose, you know, service leads to purpose, purpose leads to happiness. And what more could any parent want for their child than for them to be happy? And, uh, you know, that belief led to me writing this silly little children's book. And it was a very basic message of what it means to be a good teammate. And I wrote the book really for my daughters, but I think the message of the book resonated with others. And that led to this good teammate journey. Well, in that teammate journey now, so you've transitioned from the world of coaching. So what does your life look like now? <laughs> a lot different. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So, yeah, I went, I went from uh, traveling the game to game and staying up late thinking of uh, you know, strategies and tactics to win games to now, you know, I think exclusively about what it means to be a good teammate. So that children's book led to uh, some adult nonfiction book, uh, books. And it really led me to exploring the art of being a good teammate and coming to an understanding of what it really means to be a good teammate. Uh, in my experience, uh, now, now I take this and I go out and I work with companies and nonprofit organizations and, and just any group that considers themselves a team. And in my experience, most people want to be a good teammate. Most people think they are a good teammate, but we know that's not true. And we know, you know, the word team is a buzzword and people throw it around a lot. And we also know it's not true that a lot of groups that call themselves a team aren't really a team. They're more of a collection of independent contractors that happen to fall under uh, a universal heading of team. So would a team be more successful then if you had individuals that had these qualities of the good teammate 
And if not, can you build that in a team building event? I, I definitely think you can. And I've, you know, obviously that's the nature of what I do now in working with uh, organizations to try and improve the quality of their teammates. And it's really based on the premise that everybody wants teamwork, but, you know, teamwork makes the dream works, the catchphrase. But the reality is teamwork doesn't happen without good teammates. And I'm talking about those, those individuals whose unique and very specific way of thinking propels their team towards success. And, you know, what is a good teammate on one team isn't necessarily true on another team. On some teams, you know, every team is unique. On some teams, punctuality is of paramount importance. And on other teams, it's very irrelevant. On some teams, compliance is important. But, uh, you know, on others, creativity is more prioritized. So while every team is unique, I think there is some commonality and there is one universal definition that explains what it means to be a good teammate. And I call it the we gear. Now, Mac, I'm, I'm curious, do you drive a stick shift? Can you, can you drive a manual transmission? I can. I don't know if you can find him anymore, but yeah, probably you and I are probably the last two people on the planet that can do it, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is a lost art and it seems strange to explain the art of being a good teammate through what's practically a lost art, shifting gears. I mean, you are an overachiever if you know how to drive a, a manual transmission. I mean, statistically, only 18% of licensed American drivers acknowledge knowing how to drive a stick shift. And in fact, only 3% of the cars sold in the United States last year come with a manual transmission option. But I think it's it's an analogy that captures precisely what it means to be a universal good teammate. So for your listeners who uh, know how to drive a stick shift, just bear with me here for a brief moment and I'll, I'll explain it okay. in layman's terms. So uh, automatic transmission, very easy. Put the car in D, it goes forward. Put it in R, it goes backwards. Put it in P when you're ready to stop. Just don't put it in P while you're still moving forward or backwards. Or the P is not going to stand for park. It's going to stand for problem, as in broken transmission <laughs> problem. Now, stick shifts, a little more tricky. You have to manually maneuver the gear shift through the gears. If you're heading up a steep hill and you need more power, you get a downshift into a lower gear. If you're on a highway and you need more speed, you got to upshift into a higher gear. But before you shift gears, you must engage the clutch. And that's the part where everybody in the audience goes, ooh, because it's that mysterious third pedal that automatic cars don't have. And we're not familiar with the clutch. When good teammates come to clutch moments, and as humans, we have clutch moments in our lives, they shift gears. And as humans, we also have gears. We start out in the me gear. And you know, the me gear is all about me. What's in it for me? How does this benefit me? And some people spend their entire lives with broken transmissions and they're stuck in the me gear. But when good teammates come to clutch moments, those, those crossroads in their life where they must make a decision on how to proceed, they shift from the me gear to the we gear based on the answer to one simple question. What is best for my team? I think if you operate off of that premise, the we gear explains. All right. So let's go back to the analogy of the clutch. So the me gear versus the we gear. 
So what you're suggesting here is that if we're going to be effective teammates, we've got to be pretty aware of what is going to work best. And then is the analogy then we shift into that we gear when appropriate, or is it something we want to stay in full time? Well, you know, the goal is to live your life in the we gear. And I'll, uh, but I think a lot of people do that, but that should be the ultimate goal to live your life and the best teammates. That is exactly what they do. They are constantly making their decisions based off what is best for their team. And for your audience, the team is, you know, defined as their company, their place of employment. Well, that's great because the people that are listening to this podcast are going to be people that in essence, I guess would be, well, they would be the team leader. So would that be the same as the coach of the team or what would that role be for them? (laughs) Very interesting question. Um, in my experience, you know, you ask, well, why does this leadership perspective, or from a leadership perspective, why does this, uh, you know, the art of being a good teammate have relevance to the coach? Well, in my experience, the best leaders, the best coaches, the best bosses don't see themselves from that perspective. They see themselves as a teammate. And they take on that perspective and they adhere to the same principles, the same guiding principles as what an, a member of the team, uh, every member of the team does. And if you think of a team as, you know, we'll give the example of a sports analogy, you think of a football team, every, every person on that team has a role. Quarterbacks pass, running backs run, wide receivers catch, and linemen block. Well, they all have a role and they're responsible for their own role. But beyond that, they're responsible for being an ent- a member of the whole team. So their individual role plays a small part in the success of the overall team and every one of those roles matter. And, and I think from a boss's perspective, especially an HR uh, boss, someone who's an HR professional, the best see themselves as a team, as a teammate. Yeah. Well, and going back to then the team analogy then, so I'm thinking about, we'll go back to the analogy of the sports team. So you have the coach whose job it is to coordinate all of those things. They don't get involved into the technical aspects. In other words, they're not on the field doing it. So I guess for them, is there, and I'm thinking about the team lead now, are there specific things that a person could train Mm -hmm. on to be able to be the best leader of the team, aside from just being, you know, someone who's participating in it? Is is there a way they can learn to see things differently? Because I think a coach has to, don't they? Yes. Um, You know, I think their role is different, but it is a role within the team. And, you know, you ask, well, why should this matter? Why should being a good teammate matter to any leader? Well, it's a very simple answer because they want happiness. You know, if any of your listeners looks, they take a look at their life and they look at what's causing them the greatest frustration right now, what their biggest problem is in their work life, I bet it's something that's disrupting their happiness. You know, specifically, it's probably a what I call a toxic teammate or team buster because these are selfish individuals who disrupt the cohesiveness and they bust the cohesiveness of their team. And that selfishness sinks ships. And it doesn't matter if it's relationships, partnerships, championships, and especially leaderships. Selfishness sinks ships. So leaders have to find a way to counter that selfishness. And I think they do that by being a good teammate. And, you know, you ask, is, is there any one specific, um, you know, behavior that defines a good teammate? And I don't think there is. 
in my experience, and I've devoted the last several years of my life to really studying and dissecting uh, the art of being a good teammate. And what I've discovered is there are five very distinct behaviors that uh, good teammates embody. And now when you think of being a good teammate, I go back to what I said earlier about the player who was on my team. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be good looking to be a good teammate. You don't really have to be intelligent. You just have to be alive. Now there's duality into that, Mac. You know, alive is yes. Anybody with a pulse can choose to be a good teammate. It really is the talent that requires no talent. It's nothing more than a choice, but alive are also the five behaviors of good teammates. And ALIVE is an acronym that stands for active, loyal, invested, viral, and empathetic. Okay. Could you take us through those? Because I think some of those are going to be pretty important. Very important. Now, uh, A stands for ALIVE. A stands for active. And people who are active are people of action. Uh, I think a good way to explain this is I I visit a lot of schools. Um, Whenever I go to a company, I try to really get a company to also sponsor me to go into a local school. And I think that's where the real difference in the community is made. So when I go into a school, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've seen the pride sign. And it's usually hung somewhere near the school's football field or their gymnasium. And it's always, you know, bulldog pride or tiger pride or warrior pride. So many times I've walked right by one of those pride signs and I noticed There's like a crinkled up candy bar wrapper laying in the middle of their hallway or a a weed growing up through the crack in their sidewalk. And and I think to myself, I wonder how many of those proud people walked right by that weed and couldn't be bothered to bend over and pick it up? How many of those proud people walked by the candy bar wrapper and couldn't be bothered to pick it up and just throw it in the trash? And I bet plenty of them complained about it and they probably blamed the school's leadership for allowing such travesties to happen, but none of them acted. See, when good teammates, those are all clutch moments. And when good teammates come to clutch moments, they act. They bend over and pull out the weed. They pick up the candy bar wrapper. And if you look at, uh, you know, uh, any workplace, there are countless examples of those little things which people get caught up in complaining about and blaming others for and thinking, well, it's not my job. But if they just acted they would have been a better teammate and could have solved the problem with, you know, next to zero uh, stress for their leadership team. So, you know, I like to refer to those actions as good teammate moves. And I also believe that's another phrasing that makes sense. And if you think of athletes, basketball players, they have moves, they cross over, they dribble between their legs, they go behind their back. The more moves they have, the better basketball player they are. Dancers have moves. They plie, they arabesque, they, I don't know, they lean and dab. The more dance moves they have, the better dancer they are. And the same thing for good teammates. The more good teammate moves you make, the better teammate you are. And this could be as something as, you know, letting uh, one of your coworkers borrow your stapler when they're out of staplers. It could be something as you staying late to help them finish a project because, you know, they got behind. It's setting your own agenda aside for them. And that, that explains active. The next behavior is loyal. In my experience, most people on teams have a, uh, I don't know if it's wrong, but it's certainly a skewed understanding 
of what it means to be loyal. Most people think of loyalty as a two-way street. You got to give it to get it. Or, you know, I got your back and you've got mine. But that's not loyalty. That's bartering. Good teammates take a much different approach to loyalty. They think of loyalty as a gift that they give to others without the expectation of getting that gift in return. Now, it's more of a birthday gift than a Christmas gift. You know, Christmas time, you buy somebody a gift, you kind of expect them to buy you one. But at birthdays, you don't go to the birthday party thinking, well, I better get one too. And that's, that's how good teammates see loyalty. Uh, if, if rule number one of loyalty is it's not a two-way street, rule number two is good teammates don't form teams of their own. What am I talking about? Clicks. Those little mini teams within the team that just, they, they decay, they destroy the team from the inside out. Now, and good teammates, they have a way of avoiding them. And, and they don't get involved in those clicks. Those clicks, you know, that's how, that's how jealousy starts. That's how malcontent starts. And good teammates just steer clear of them. Um, you know, we, I happen to live in Florida. And we have these signs all over my neighborhood down here. Don't feed the gators. The alligators are everywhere down here. Now, I'm originally from the Northeast. So when I moved down here, I thought alligators were, uh, you know, I thought they were like rattlesnakes. I know we have them in the Northeast, but I can't say as I ever stumbled across one or I never really saw one out in the wild when I was walking. And I thought gators were like that, but they're not. Alligators are everywhere down here. And it's, it's very much against the law to feed an alligator out in the wild because what happens is the alligator gets more aggressive. It starts seeing humans as a food source and they're not considered to be a natural food source for alligators. So when one person feeds them, the next time somebody comes along, the alligator expects that and the alligator gets aggressive. So I think that sign is great advice to dealing with toxic teammates. Don't feed the gators because gators are haters. No matter what you do, they're always hating on you. That's like, that's like a millennial term, right? They hate on me. Uh, you know, and you can't please them. Their type of individuals have a problem for every solution. So what happens is the gator comes up to you and starts you know, criticizing you or critiquing you. And if you fight back, you give them negativity. That's what the gator wants. More negativity. You just feed the gator. And then the gator starts coming at you more aggressively. So my advice for being loyal is when these clicks start to happen and a gator comes at you, don't feed the gator. Let the gator, because eventually the gator realizes you're not a food source. There's no negativity here. And the gator swims away. Now, rule number three of loyalty, uh, and, and I get frustrated with sometimes because I think there's a belief that good teammates are just passive people. They're conformists who are just happy and satisfied to get in line and do what they're told. And, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Good teammates are some of the most passionate people on the teams. They're heavily, deeply invested in the success of the teams. But good teammates don't believe in I told you so's. So when a good teammate has an objection or they want to argue for something, a point that they believe in, they do it at the appropriate time. They bring up their objections during the discussion phase. Once an organizational decision is made, good teammates let it go. They set their objections aside and they get on board. And they put all of their energy into making whatever decision was made, whether it was theirs or somebody else's, they put their energy into making that, that, that decision, that strategy, come to fruition. 
And they don't sit back and disengage. They don't sabotage. They don't wait for it to fail. And if it should happen to fail, they don't say, I told you so. They put all of their energy into writing the ship and making it become successful. That's great. I mean, I love the first two because you, you said earlier, you know, you don't want somebody in a team that has a pulse. So here's two pieces of action right yeah. here. So active, loyal. Tell us about the I. Invested. Uh, this is also uh, an interesting one for me. When I first started noticing this behavior, I initially called it interesting. Oh, absolutely. Mac, when you were growing up, did you have a favorite teacher? Oh, my God. Who was it? Now I'm calling, I'm putting you on the spot, right? I'm calling you out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I tell you what, it was uh, Mrs. Danker who was in my first grade class. And what was so special about Mrs. Danker? She would write notes on my paper where I knew she was reading it and she was critiquing. And yeah, she was very uh -huh. special that way. If, you know, for the sake of uh, expediency, well, I'll cut to the chase here, but if I were to continue this conversation with you, it would go the same way that almost every conversation of this nature about a favorite teacher goes. Eventually, I suspect you would come to the point where you would say, Mrs. Danka was my favorite teacher because she took an interest in me. And there's just something empowering about someone who we look up to, who a mentor who we respect, or any individual we respect, taking an interest in our life. And that's what good teammates do. But that's not all they do. See, there's a difference between being interested and being invested. And this is what separates a good person from a good teammate. See, good teammates are invested because they do everything that an interested person does. They want to know how you're doing. They want to know how your sick Aunt Betty is feeling. And if something good happens to you, they are genuinely happy for your success. But a person who's invested does one more crucial thing. They see your failures as their failures, and they are committed to helping you overcome whatever failures you happen to be experiencing. And that's what it means to be an invested teammate. Uh, next pair, next uh, behavior is viral. Now to younger generations, the word viral translates to mean popular. But before pop culture hijacked the term, viral had a much different meaning because uh, good teammates aren't necessarily popular. In fact, sometimes when they're confronting a toxic behavior, they can be downright unpopular. Uh, but popularity is not the source of their motivation. Doing what's best for their team, being in the we gear is. So for our uh, purposes, the word viral means to spread like a virus, like the common cold or influenza. And that's what good teammates do. When a good teammate enters the room, their emotion, their enthusiasm, their energy spreads through the team. There's uh, something called emotional contagion. And it's very, very important in team dynamics in that, you know, it's a theory that says as humans, we tend to mimic uh, the facial expressions and the emotional state of those in front of us. And that's why, you know, you have somebody who, um, who yawns in a, in a group. Pretty soon others in the room start to yawn. In fact, you know, as Malcolm Gladwell points out in his writing, the fact I just mentioned the word yawn, a lot of your listeners are probably finding it very hard to resist yawning right now. And that's the way good it, it, it is. It, it is hard. And you know, there's a, a video online. Uh, it's the most watched video in the history of social media. 
It's the Chewbacca mom. Have you seen this video? I don't video? think I have, no. Well, the basic premise, well, you're one of the few who haven't because it has like 177 million views or something like that. And it's the most watched video ever. It came out you know, a couple years ago and it's the silliest video. It's this woman, uh, her story is she goes into Cole's department store and she buys this um, Chewbacca mask, this Star Wars character mask. And it lasts, it opens its mouth and it makes the sound that Chewbacca makes. And she takes this toy out of the box and she goes out into her car and puts her phone on her dash. And she records this short video on Facebook Live of her opening the, the mask and playing with it. And she laughs and she has the most infectious laugh ever. When you watch this video, uh, you can't help but laugh along with her. And that's the power of our emotions. So good teammates aren't moody. They control their mood and they control their emotions and they use their emotions to positively impact the mood of their team. So when you go into a room and if you're somber, you're tired, you're depressed, those emotions, as our brains are wired to do, will rub off on the other members of the team. If you're in a bad mood, it won't be long till the other people in your team start being in a bad mood. But what good teammates do, they see this as a clutch moment and an opportunity to shift into the we gear. So they control their emotions. They project an emotion that is appropriate and necessary and needed for their team at that moment. They may be tired, but when they walk into the room, they project enthusiasm for being there and it rubs off on the other members of their team. Uh, the final behavior in the ALIVE acronym is empathetic. All right, big word, lots of syllables. I think most people don't understand what empathy is and they confuse empathy with sympathy. Sympathy is feeling bad for somebody else. Empathy is feeling what it's like to be someone else. Now, sometimes uh, empathy can lead to sympathy. You realize somebody's in a difficult situation. Uh, they're constantly showing up for work disheveled because they're up all night taking care of their sick child and that you feel sorry for them. But empathy can also lead to tough love, to drawing the proverbial line in the sand. And I think good teammates up to this point, we've, asked, we've determined the art of being a good teammate based on the question of what's best for my team. But at this point, we introduce another question. Good teammates ask why before they pass judgment. I think we've come to live in a society where being judgmental is sometimes looked down upon, uh, but to be an effective member of a team, especially to be an effective position of leadership on a team, you have to be judgmental. You have to determine what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable and unacceptable on our team. The difference is a good teammate asks why before they pass judgment. Why is my teammate showing up for late work late? Well, Maybe they're financially stressed and they can't afford the repairs on their car. So what could you do to help your teammate overcome that obstacle? What, how can you be invested in them? What actions, what good teammate moves can you take to help them overcome that obstacle that will help your team perform better? And I think really being empathetic is the reason why you take action. It's the reason for the other four behaviors. So that's what it means to be an alive teammate. Well, that's a great analogy. It's a great acronym. And I think everything that I read on there, I mean, I would want to be on that team. I would love to lead a team like that. So Lance, in your work, when you work with a team, 
Um, and I don't want you to share all your trade secrets because I want people to actually call you and get you to come out there. <laughs> but how do you do this? Do you have them walk around on hot coals in their bare feet? Do they do trust falls? How do you, how do you bring the alive into the team? Yeah. Um, two things. First off, I don't mind sharing trade secrets. You know, to me, this journey and this career change has allowed me to discover purpose in my life. And I think applying the art of being a good teammate, I think every almost every problem in our society comes down to people not being good teammates. And you think about it, the school bullying, the you know, broken homes, domestic violence, the opioid epidemic, even like the shenanigans that go on in, in politics, all that comes down to being a good teammate. So I think if I have an opportunity to share what I've learned, it's an opportunity for me to be a good teammate to team society. So I don't mind sharing all that. Now, to get back to the second part of your question, how do I do this? Well, I don't concentrate on teamwork. I think, you know, those team building activities like walking on hot coals, falling off the stage into the trusting arms of your colleagues, they're a lot like diets. And if anybody who's ever tried to lose weight, they understand that diets don't work. There's this temporary boost from that, but eventually you go back to your former, you know, way of living and you put on the weight again. Well, diets, diets and team building exercises are very similar in that, yes, you get this dynamic, charismatic speaker to come in. You do these fun activities and in theory, there will be this bonding with your, your fellow coworkers. But as soon as the speaker leaves and certainly within a few days, all those things start to fade and you revert back to your comfort level and to your, you revert back to your me gear way of thinking. What I do is try to come in and I don't focus on the team. I focus on the individual because teamwork's not about the team. It's about the teammate. So if we can get the teammate to, number one, see themselves as a teammate, because a lot of teams are, you know, that collection of independent contractors and they don't have an appreciation for how their choices affect the other members of their team. So we got to get them to feel what it's, what, or understand that they are a teammate. They do have a role on the team. And then we got to get them to understand, all right, if I am a teammate, what's it mean to be a good teammate. There's a, there's a psychological theory called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Have, are you familiar with this? No, no, I'm not. Tell me about that. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me, and I think it has uh, significant relevance to the art of being a good teammate. Um, it, <laughs> it was based on uh, a, two, a pair of Cornell psychologists um, a few, several years back they stumbled across a news story about the lemon juice bandit. And it was found under the heading of one of those, you know, world's dumbest criminals. The lemon juice bandit was this portly middle-aged fellow who, who robbed two banks in broad daylight on the same day. And he didn't wear any kind of mask or disguise during the robberies. Uh, and police, when the police were called, they pulled the film from the, the bank surveillance cameras and they broadcast these images on the, the local television's news. And within minutes, they started getting calls identifying this man, and he was subsequently arrested and, and pulled in for uh, interrogation. Now, during his interview, the police noted that the man just seemed baffled, just utterly amazed at how quickly he was caught. And he kept saying, but I wore the lemon juice. But I wore the lemon juice. Well, as it turned out, the man was under the belief that lemon juice could be used as invisible ink, you know, like in spy movies. So he covered his entire face in lemon juice 
thinking he'd be rendered invisible to the security cameras. Well, once the police got beyond their initial laughter, they determined that, you know, the man wasn't on drugs. He wasn't intoxicated or drunk. He didn't, uh, he wasn't, you know, suffering from any mental disabilities. He had just subscribed to a false belief. When it comes to assessing the kind of teammate we are, we're not that much different from the lemon juice bandit sometimes, at least most of us aren't, uh, in that we are also oblivious to our own ignorance and what it means to be a good teammate. So what I do is I try to come in and I explain to them what it means to be a good teammate. And I think of them and I do some interactive activities and we engage them in trying to see themselves as a teammate. Once they understand that, it goes back to, I think the motivation is, you know, people really want happiness in their life. They want to, you know, find harmony and they really want the avoidance of toxicity. And they understand that, well, if I can be a good teammate, more of us on our team can be a good teammate. Well, then suddenly we're nice. It's a fun environment. It's, it's, it's something we look forward to coming to work and working with these people. And that's what I try well, to do. I think it's a great approach. And I think it's very different from the type of team building things that I've seen and heard about. And I, I think it's a great connection. The difference between traditional team building and what you do, like the old diet and the, the rush of happiness. And so if you are listening to this show today and you are on a team and you realize I do need some help, we've got a lot of people on the me gear. I need the we gear. Lance, how can our audience reach out to you and have you come in there and help them out? You can visit my website, www.coachloya.com. C-H-L-O-Y-A, or Google my name, Lance Loya, and it'll take you to my website. Um, you can find us on social media, uh, Twitter, we're on Twitter and Facebook, backslash Coach Lance Loya. Uh, reach out to us there every morning, every day, and every evening. We put out uh, inspirational, good teammate thoughts. Uh, you know, I think being a good teammate, you talk about uh, the team building exercises and why they fail. What works, diets fail, but what works are lifestyle changes. And that's what this change in mindset to being a good teammate, that's why it works. But for that to work, you can't be a one-stop deal. It's like your car. You got to refuel it constantly for it to keep running effectively. And what we put out on social media every day, these good teammate thoughts, uh, I think that's a way to recharge your batteries and, and keep your organization thinking about the art of being a good teammate. Now, along with that, uh, we also publish a weekly blog. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday, and we call it Teammate Tuesdays. And every week, it's just a short uh, three-minute read about a different element of what it means to be a good teammate. Um, and I'll give you an example. The one that just came out this week was uh, about Walt Disney World. And um, I find the man, Walt Disney, to be fascinating. And one of the most interesting things about him was what motivates him. I mean, you think of people who are motivated by a chip on their shoulder, and that's the, you know, the impetus for their actions. Well, that might not be the best way to be motivated because that leads to me gear logic and it me leads to you having a selfish agenda. And when you study Walt Disney, you realize he wasn't motivated by his critics, proving his critics wrong. What he was motivated by was seeing his, his ideas become a reality. And when he took that approach, that's when all the ingenious things started happening. He, he, wasn't, he didn't ignore his critics. He listened to them. He learned from them and saw it as an opportunity to see how other people viewed him. But that wasn't the source of his motivation. I think good teammates operate the same way. So we took that idea. We put it into a short blog. 
And uh, we publish those every Tuesday. And you can subscribe to the blog on my website. CoachLoya.com. And, you know, you can also get access to our blog there and all of my books. I have a series of books out, including the children's book, uh, which is surprising to me, but I'm also very proud of it. And I understand, too, companies buy that book in bulk and give them to their employees. It's such a simple message. There's only a few pages in it and never more than a short four to five sentence word. It was written for my daughter's who was in kindergarten because she was using sight words and just learning to read. And I use those sight words to explain the art of being a good teammate. If it's like that book, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Well, if this, this book can apply to a, a kindergartner, the same message resonates with adult employees. And you can also get access to my new book. It just came out last month, The We Gear, How Good Teammates Shift From Me to We. And it's currently number one new release on Amazon. And a lot of companies are using that book as a, a book study you know, uh, for their employees, for their upper leadership well, aside team. from the team I think it's development stuff that you do, I'm going to call it team building. Lance, do you, because I'm just sitting here on this podcast, just getting caught up in the story. I'm not even looking at my questions. You're a phenomenal storyteller. Do you do talks at events? I do. And that's actually uh, what I do most of. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I didn't set out to be a writer. I don't know that I really have uh, you know, a lot of quality writing skills. But I try to write like I speak. And you know, the brilliance of editors it comes in. They make, it, they make me sound so much better than I really am. Uh, so the books are good, but the reality is to write the book, I have to take a break from my speaking to do that. Um, you know, the keynotes at events are great. I, we do the seminars and they can range anywhere from a normal presentation is that 75 minute time frame. But, you know, I'm of the belief that the mind can only endure uh, or the mind can only absorb what the backside can endure. So that 70 minute, 75 minute is about the right time frame to really plant the seed in, uh, in a team. But we've also I come in, I do seminars. We've done all day and half day seminars with groups and we spend more time engaging in activities and not just talking about the points. So yes, speaking is, uh, well, it's really, it's the main source of my uh, income. And, That's uh, great. and so you are most in, of my time. you're in Florida, but you do travel, right? I do. <laughs> I'm coming off a, uh, a lot of people, I guess last week, sending their employees home for the holiday break on a high note was a priority for a lot of groups. And I'm glad it was because I, I did a whirlwind last week. I was in, you know, Philadelphia and up by the Connecticut border. And I was back down in uh, central Pennsylvania. And I ended my trip in uh, central West Virginia. Uh, and that's a, it's a, it's a good trip for me. Uh, so I enjoy getting out and meeting new people. I get ideas for blogs. I, a lot of times I feel like Johnny Appleseed and that I have something I believe in. I believe this is the key to solving so many problems in our society. And it's really the, it's, it's, well, it sounds hokey, but Mac, it, it's kind of my crack at world peace. And I think the world needs more good teammates. So going out I and planting the seed endeavor. is my and, pleasure. Uh, and I have to agree with you there. I think if everybody decided to get out of the me gear and into the we gear, we probably would see a lot of progress. Well, Lance, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today and to share your, your alive teammate. Um, it's been very beneficial. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I know my listeners do as well. So if you're listening to this, please reach out, 
coachloya.com. Get Lance to come out and spread some of the alive into your organization. Lance, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And it was a good teammate move on your part for letting me come on because the pleasure Mac was mine. Well, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the important transition to management. This podcast is just one resource we have. If you check out our website at greatbosstools.com, you can view some other resources we have there. We'd love to have you as part of our courses. If you're listening to this podcast on any podcast app, we'd also appreciate you taking a few moments to give us a review. Positive, of course, it really helps us out. So with that, take care and get out there and make it your goal to be the absolute best boss ever. Mm -hmm.